Is it Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Kerry Shale. But he's our special guest, producer and director here at Lip Sync, Robin Guise. A letter to mother came today. Gunshot wound to the breast is what it did say. But he's going to be better. He's in a hospital bed. But he'll never be better. He's already dead. Robin, why did you choose that particular quote from uh, Bob Dylan lyric? I liked it. I think the song is great. Uh, it's from a movie. Uh, in fact, the two movies, uh, Gettysburg and Gods and Generals. I've never actually watched um, the two of them. They're, I think, cumulative total about eight hours there. Well, sorry, what do you mean the two movies? They're two movies, when they Civil War. I, I thought really it was just Gods, Gods and Generals. I thought yeah, it was I Gods and Generals. I don't, I don't know. know. No, the first one is Gettysburg. So did Bob write that for... No, he wrote it for the second one, for Gods and Generals. Oh, right. Um, but you, you are know, a bit of a, a film be- A better use of eight hours would be to watch Ronaldo and Clara twice, surely. I'm not sure that would help no. anyone. I, I think <laughs> that would be... But we'll, we'll be coming to that, because this is the Bob film cast. And we're going to discuss all of uh, Bob's, I guess, major films, including Don't Look Back, Eat the Document, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Ronaldo and Clara Hearts of Fire, if you can call that a major film, and Masked and Anonymous. So, um, are you ready to, to take us through your your feelings uh, of I'll, Bob's I'll oeuvre? Take you, yes, totally. I'll, how does I'll it feel? <laughs> to, how did it feel to see Don't Look Back the first time? Do you remember when you... I, I probably I, I've seen it so many times in so many incarnations of VHS or TV or DVD or the Criterion disc that came out. I mean, it, I think it's, um, and we'll we'll discuss this more, but I do think it's probably the high benchmark, um, not just as a documentary, but as a documentary on him. I think it's because it's very good. I think it's because it's it's directed. The, the action is probably not directed, but it's put together by someone who knows what they're doing in yeah. the edit suite. Yeah. Yep. So it's the kind of thing that when it was done, it was very remarkable, but then it's followed through to the end and it's done properly. And as we'll discuss with certain later things, projects, they, they, they're not as well put together. I think a lot of these things are directed in the edit suite. So he's not in control of what's happening live, although I bet there's some performing, obviously not just the stage stuff, but the behind-the-scenes stuff. There must be set-ups that they're doing and this, that, and the other. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's if you only saw one Bob Dylan film, it would be Don't Look Back. Well, it also captures him at that... I mean, he, he moved so fast in 1965 mm. alone to go from recording Bringing It All Back Home to Highway 61, to Newport, to hooking up with the Hawks in the space of a year. And that is, you know, in the spring. And And, yeah, and then, you know, as as, as someone, uh, a couple of people have said, and I think they're absolutely right, you do see a kind of invention of the rock star in that film. He's he's still playing the acoustic songs, but he's bored by them. I mean, The Times Are A-Changing is is delivered delivered in such a perfunctory manner, opens every gig with that song. Mm. But he's far more interested in the fact that he's just recorded some trading homesick blues and that, that Liverpudlian um, fan who says, oh, I don't like your new stuff, like, like mm. subterranean homesick blues. And he says, oh, yeah, oh, you know, I know exactly, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what kind of person you are right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I do think that's the best Bob Dylan that you actually see yeah. in the, on the cinema screen. And, cause, and he's, he's the most varied Bob Dylan for some reason. Mm. We'll, we'll get to this, but he's mm. drunk and he's mm. whiny and he's stoned so and I, he's I, playful I, I, and he's, yeah. you know, He's sexy and he's mm-hmm. charismatic. Yeah, he's also not um, as conscious of himself as he is in some of the later ones. And I think also, as an audience, we'll talk about this more, um, He, when he appears on screen, and particularly in things like Pat Garrett and Hurts of Fire, that you actually, as soon as he appears, it's that, hey, look, it's Bob Dylan. Yeah, career mm-hmm. don't look back. It's, it, of course it's, it is, because the whole movie is about him. And um, in fact, you could barely... You know, I watched the... Um, who threw the glass into the street man yeah. bit uh, just yesterday again? And Pennebaker can barely get him into the shot. Like yeah. Pennebaker is way at the back of the room. You can mm. barely see Dylan. So Dylan is not even, you know, aware of the camera. He, they, they, Pennebaker always said he wasn't aware of the camera, but I didn't really believe that. I mean, certainly in the back of the car, you know, it's just him and. Or, or he probably just wouldn't care. I mean, I think if it's maybe that ubiquitous and you're, and you're shooting and mm. shooting day after day after day, you mm. just would get used to it. Yeah, um, he certainly seems natural, doesn't he? But you, you never. Well, Pennemaker said, I've got a quote from um, from a book, a uh, C.P. Lee book about about Dylan's films, where he said Dylan is sort of acting throughout the film, and I, I find this interesting because, as you say, in every film after Don't Look Back, you are dealing with a very, very deliberate 
persona that has been created by Bob Dylan that may or may not be Bob Dylan in name or character or anything. Mm. But here's the one where, where we think we might begin the real deal. And Pennebaker said he was acting. So what do we make of that? <laughs> I, th- I think he's just very, very canny. He knows what he's doing. He's not stupid, and he's never been stupid ever, and he wasn't stupid then. Mm. And if he's going to agree to have cameras pointed at him, he's going to be aware of that, and he's going to perform. He's a performer. So I don't think you're ever, and I don't think any documentary ever is really real anyway, because, as I said earlier, it's to do with editing. You know, you can yeah. manipulate that however you want it to be. And, you know, I've seen interviews with people that, you know, I saw a South Bank show with Scorsese years ago in the early 80s, and it was described as he, he gives a great performance. And you watch it and you think, well, he actually is performing to Melvin Bragg. Yeah. It might just seem that he's doing an interview, but it's mm. a, he's turning it on, yeah. you know, as a director. He understands that, and I think Dylan's the same. I think he's he's there going, you know what, if you're going to point that thing at me, I'm going to give you something, give you your yeah. money's worth, you know. And the notion of performance, but it, 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 you can see the, the arc throughout his, the, these, these six films. It, it, it really... I mean, there's, there's, there's no hint of naturalism in the way he appears on screen from here onwards, is there? No. and uh, Well, I mean, Eat the Document, you could argue, is the, the same kind of hybrid thing. Mm. Um, but again, if we can move on to that, yes. because I think you know, I'm very conscious of the time, but I think, you know, some of the Eat the Document, for me, as I said earlier, what you have in Don't Look Back is a load of footage. I don't know how much they shot, but freaking tens and twenty hours, yeah. hundreds of hours, whatever it might yeah. be, but it's fashioned into something that works, so it's directed and it's put together and it's, it becomes this sort of classic thing. Whereas Eat the Document, for me, what, watching it, I've seen it a number of times, it's a bit of a mess. Oh, yeah. Because I think what happens there is you have people who are not film directors, as in Dylan and Howard Olg, mm. editing this thing, and they're doing a whole cut-up technique at the start there, and it's jumping around this, that, and the other. Those things are really, really hard to do, and they're really mm. hard to do well. Um, and I don't think it is done well. And I also think that there's a there's an issue here. I always have an issue with things that aren't officially released, and I tend to think there's a reason they're not mm. officially mm. released. <laughs> it's because they're not very good. Or they're kind of, you know, they look back at it, and they do look back, sorry, um, and they say, you know what, I'm slightly, I'm not sure about this, and it doesn't come out. It's such a shame, because I I think it's, I mean, this is my personal opinion, I think it is the most interesting year of Dylan's career as a performer by a long, long way. And yet there is not a documentary that seems interested in telling that story. Eat the Document is, well, it's called Eat the Document, for Christ's sake. It's, it's, it's deliberately anti-documentary. Yeah. Scorsese, I mean, uses a lot of footage in No Direction Home, but that film is not about that tour. No. Someone needs there's, there's, to make this well, film. Well, it was very interesting, actually, because over Christmas I watched Let It Be again, mm. there's the, which, again, everything's come from that early 80s BBC screening, as we'll talk about Ronaldo and Clara, that yeah. always comes from that one show on Channel yeah. 4, Boxing Day, whatever. Mm. And um, But Let It Be is very interesting as well, because it equally is not very good. Mm. Um, and, and and I don't think they'll ever put it out, because they're slightly embarrassed, because it's, you know, there's yeah. arguments, and it's, it's not actually that rancorous, actually, but no. it, it's structurally, Let It Be has this whole thing, where, again, it's kind of jump-cutty, leaping all around for the first third. It then has a bunch of songs in the middle which are pretty much delivered you know complete and then Mm. it has the rooftop thing Uh, and then McCartney I read recently literally just a few days ago that they're they're, you know looking at making a new version of it yes Mm. and that's almost what needs to happen with Eat the Document as again we'll discuss the Scorsese possible Rolling Thunder yada yada later on but that's the sort of thing that's just like give someone who knows what they're doing Mm. here's all this stuff make a document of that tour because that's gold dust and you, you're right you have it in um, No Direction Home you have a, and you see glimpses of that when you have someone who knows what they're doing yeah, yeah. Yeah. and has a direction to what they're doing yeah. I have you to know? say it. Uh, I do find Eat the Document uh, virtually unwatchable I, I force myself to watch it all the way through just so that I can we say that on this podcast. Go, <laughs> no, I really I can't I've got a very low uh, threshold for um, inept amateur Behavior. Really? Of, of, you let of, me in the room. Yes, that, no, you're very good. <laughs> but no, it's just you, the the balls of Dylan to mm. to think that he could direct 
when he didn't, all he'd done is, you know, he'd read some, guess, read some William Burroughs and, and knows Ginsburg and, and mm. he sees some John Luke Goddard Burroughs and he'd seen some Truffaut. Bar- no, no, but I mean, it's the cut up thing that I'm bit talking about. There's a on the about. train at the start where there's someone who, Howard Olk is sitting there and there's someone on the right of Frank yeah. who looked like Burroughs, but I don't think, I'm sure it's probably easy. I know, I don't think, that but, wrong, but, but you know, the, the whole cut up thing yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. is he's, he's, he thought, ooh, I'll, I'll go with this, I'll run with it. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, it's terrible. And, and the, well, and that scene in the back of the car, I think, is really interesting as far as Dylan's mindset goes, the scene with John Lennon. Mm. Because Lennon later said that they were both out of their minds on smack, and uh, Dylan's also obviously very drunk, and he he just comes across to me as the world's most obnoxious bully, Mm. and I wondered why he wanted to be seen that way, because I I think... Dylan? Dylan, yeah. Yeah, But he probably didn't, and that's why it's never really come out. (sighs) I think there's a lot of retrospect about this, and a lot of there'll be contracts there, and, you know, with Don't Look Back... That film would always have come out like Let It Be. Let It Be would all always have come out because they yeah. had release dates that had right. all that set up. And the, the, the well, ABC was supposed to show this. The ABC yeah. well, TV for network reason. for whatever reason because it's terrible. Mm. It's inept. It's well, dull. They, but you know, I think I, I, that's the key thing. I'll keep coming back to is when when you get hold of people who you know this is tricky stuff. And Dylan does what he does, and he does many, many things very, very well. Yeah. You know, and, and I agree, you know, even like I've seen, we've all seen the metal sculptures and everything else, which mm-hmm. I think are remarkable. Mm-hmm. There is an argument there. You say, well, maybe he does things very well when he's on his own. But you, you know, filmmaking itself is an incredibly collaborative, very complicated process. There's lots of people involved, and you've got to, you know, have, get all these people together yeah. into your train of thought. And that's. Tough, but I also think it's the Mac- Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour thing. Mm. You know, Dylan mm. has now done a lot of metal work. He's done a lot of painting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but And certainly uh, singing and songwriting, there's nobody to top him. But he hadn't really done any f- filmmaking, and you need mm. to be a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. He became a novelist and a filmmaker in 1966, didn't he? Just, just like that. Mm. Um, what, what, what disturbs me about Eat the Document, and I find I've got a lot more time for it than, than Kerry has, because I'm obsessed with that tour, and I like to be able to say, oh, that's Dublin. Um, but what, That's not good enough, Lee. You know, I, I, I find even it, in the room on your own. Yeah. But I, what I do find odd, and it, it winds me up watching it because it's just so unnecessary, is his obsession with things that have nothing to do with the story. There's, there's the guy with the, you know, the world is ending uh, placard in Glasgow. There's there's the old man of the story of the, the boy who killed himself in the river. Oh, sad, really. You know, what do you think? Well, what's that got to do with anything? There's the, there's but the, again, the, that's that's to do with being a film director, and yeah. you know what you're dealing with, and you know what the point of those things is. And if there's no point, there's a point to having no point. And yeah. that's again, is a it's a skill. It's, as you're right, you know the ten thousand hour thing. You've got to work at this yeah. stuff. But, but I guess, and I think we'll have to come back to this. But when we talk about Ronaldo and Clara, but I think there's a similarity <laughs> between those two films mm. in that totally. they're both fascinating tours, yeah. and yeah, yeah. he could have told the story of those tours and thought, no, you know what? I'll tell something much more confusing and irrelevant. Uh, yeah. There is no story in Eat the Document. The story is Bob Dylan thinks he's a genius and is going to show everybody. Now, I do think he's a genius and he shows people when he's singing. And, th- and to me, the thing that I find so disappointing and really sickening, actually, is that somebody who's so brilliant, top of the game as a singer-songwriter, there's nobody better, can be so bottom of the pile I don't think it's very good. It's not one I'll come back to. I, you know, if I if you had the choice to watch, if you could only watch Don't Look Back or Eat the Document for the rest of your life, oh, don't look back. But I think we should. We, we haven't actually quite praised Don't Look Back enough, um, and we do have uh, time to. It, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great film. You know, it's it's, it's not just a great record. You know, it's it's so entertaining. It never gets. There's not dull. a dull moment in it. No, and, and every time I watch it, I think, oh, it's that scene now. Oh my god, and there's this scene, and there's so many good scenes in it. Mm. Yeah, you know. I love the and, and uh, as uh, you know, just seeing uh, Grossman, just actually seeing him on camera, yeah. it's and wheeling and dealing. That scene with Tito Burns. Oh, that yeah. scene with Tito Burns. Because rarely, timeless. a lot of people skirt, you know, shy away from mentioning cold hard cash. Yeah. And it's always interesting. Well, how much do you get for a show? Oh, it's 2,000. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But I think yeah. we can get 2,000. You know, yeah. I, I know him and I think, you know, you know it's so, so believable. Yeah. All those little... And with him sort of waggling his eyebrows at him. He'll be here yeah. in 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. He's tied up. Yeah, with rope. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, no, it's, it, so it, it's really, really good. And, it, that, and that's why, you know, and it's, I think it's been incredibly... I don't know if you saw, there's a Radiohead uh, documentary called Meeting People is Easy, um, which from the 
but like it's the OK Computer Tour, and that's really interesting because these guys are going around the world, slavishly asking the same questions after the mm. same questions, just being, t- you know, just bored into the ground, and they're just mm. there, just like God, get me out of this room, yeah. you know. And and it's that sort of thing that all bands, all you know. Um, actors at junkets this that and the other thing you mm. guys I'm sure have done it over the years by the way I think it's very interesting you both being actors talking about this thing and we'll talk about it more mm. when we get into the more you know the more oh yeah we are, well, I'm sure we both sure have a lot to say that. about Bob's my, acting my, my point being yeah. that the importance of Don't Look Back is 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 enormous you know because I think it is very influential I'm sure there are ones that were done maybe before that that were similar but it, it was a very high profile one that's done very very well and that's the reason it keeps getting re-released and Criterion had done a lovely mm. edition. Oh, I've got one with a flick book of Subterranean Homesick Blues. Have yeah. you seen that? You know, um, and and you know, which just that the opening, of course, is is brilliant as well. You know, and there's still um, stuff they haven't released. Like there's there's the I've mentioned it on a previous podcast of the clip of him watching John Mayles Blues Breakers. There's a clip of him in, in the pub um, with, with drinking out. a pint with Alan, with Alan Price and Marianne Faithful makes a tiny appearance in the film. There's you a know. load of outtakes came out on I have the a DVD. Oh, and the yeah. no, but there's a lot of other oh, really? stuff. Yeah, that. Came Came out when they were. So, I don't know who lets this stuff out. Yeah. Some cheeky sod. Um, but, but yeah, a lot of other stuff came out as well. Which, yeah. um, um, let me ask you a question, Robin. Mm. You might know. Um, I mean, what do you think? Has he ever said what he had against Don't Look Back? Because obviously, Eat the Document was like a response. He took Pennebaker's, yeah, no doubt, Pennebaker, excellent footage mm. and turned it to a river of shit, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, <laughs> but what did he have against? I, I, you know, I, I haven't heard. Have you heard? I mean, I, no, I, don't I, know. I do know there were several sessions where, the, where Pennebaker would screen uh, his cut of Don't Look Back, and Dylan would hold up a piece of paper saying, change this, change that. And then finally, um, <laughs> or they scream. Yeah, or <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no, pump. Um, <laughs> you know, but the, the, there was one In time when he screened it and Bob held up a blank sheet of paper and he said there we go no notes that's fine Um, and all I can possibly surmise from that is that that is the version of Bob Dylan I am happy to put out at this time you know but who knows yeah I guess he just didn't want to put out a linear version of himself maybe Uh, and not that it was particularly linear but I mean compared to Eat the Document I mean in a way Eat the Document is is kind of is tangled up in blue isn't it it's it's looking at the picture Eat the Document is the bastard child of Diamond (laughs) Backs oh absolutely but as you say I mean to me the thing thing that breaks my heart is that Tangle Up in Blue is a masterpiece of course and Eat the Document is the yes. opposite. Yes, but but they are both a- aiming to look at uh, an interesting story by I agree, yeah. you know doing it from multiple angles at the same time. So that's the frustrating thing to me. It's like, well, the reason it didn't work, I think, is because Dylan is a master songwriter and he put in his hours. Yeah, and. Who knows what he might have achieved if he decided to spend the rest of his life making films. But what I think he didn't understand or respect is that you need to spend your entire life making films mm. like mm. Pennebaker mm. in order yeah, to make yeah. films like Pennebaker. Yeah, mm. yeah. Can so I, let's move on to Pat Or Sam Peckinpah. Or yes. Sam Peckinpah. <laughs> Thank you. Much better, much better just, segue. Can I just give you some opening lines from the scene of this film just Jump because they, they kick us off rather well. How does it feel? It feels like times have changed. Times are changing, Billy. Now, uh, Rudy Wurlitzer, who wrote the script for yeah. Pat Garrett, is... is I thought you were op- going to say the last line, which is not me. Oh, go on. What's the, oh, yeah. The, says, times, 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 times may be changing, yeah. but not me. No, I just because those... I mean, things have changed had not been written in 1973, but mm. Like a Rolling Stone and The Times They Are Changing had been, and they are perfect. They're, those songs are referenced in the opening scene of I that film. I didn't get that at all. No? I, don't, I don't get that. I think Pat Garrett, and you know, there's a lot being written about this, and nothing I say today will be new or, well, hopefully, maybe occasionally, but there's, there's a whole genre of end of the West westerns. Yeah. Mm. You know, P- uh, Butch Cassidy. Um, Wild Bunch. Pat, Wild Bunch, of course. You know, what are, you know, what are you going to retire to? Retire to what? Whatever he says, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Butch Cassidy with the bicycle. Once Upon a Time in the West, of course. Well, the, that's the, the big the, one, yeah. That's the big yeah. one, and, and that's, you know, top five for me. Um and you know, with the coming of the railway and everything, and then later on, '93 with Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood mm. movie. Um, you know, you have this thing that you have this these these. It's a dying breed. Mm. And Garrett, of course, we could get into a whole criticism of this. I don't want to get into that because that's another whole thing. And then we were talking about the versions of the film, but that's another yeah, yeah, yeah. tributary. Um, but Garrett, you know, he he has reinvented himself as a lawman. You know, even though they were friends, and I think it's a film about friendship and everything else. But of course, in the middle of it, we have Alias. You know, alias whatever you want. 
And, uh, you know, I look at it and I've watched all three recently. Um, I've seen them multiple times over the years. And, you know, you guys will have a take on this as actors, I know. But my problem with watching Pat Garrett is I know who Bob Dylan is. And every time he appears, <laughs> I'm thinking, look, that's Bob Dylan, mm. you know. And I was thinking on watching one of them. And recently I saw um, Tom Waits in uh, The Old Man and the Gun. Mm. And in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now he in both those movies and lots of other movies, whether it be Bram Stoker's Dracula or Rumblefish, you know, as Benny the Bartender uh, or Iron Reed, Iron Reed, Fish King. Mm. There's loads and loads of them mm. down by Log. Jeez. Mm. Um, Shortcuts. You know, God, sorry, I've got to keep Yeah, and he's really, so really pointers. good. You know, and these yeah. recent two, and I was watching them because I was thinking about this as well. And Tom Waits appears on screen. If you knew who he was, you'd go, okay, that's Tom Waits. But he's acting, and he's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll be interested to see what you guys think because it's not that Dylan's bad; it's just that it's distracting that it's him. It, and uh, you know, I agree. Does that make sense? I agree. I mean, I, I have something occurred to me. The, I mean, I've seen this film many times, and I, I do put it up there with Once Upon a Time in the West in, in the, the great westerns. But I don't. Think <laughs> I don't but I don't think there's anything to do with Bob Dylan. I don't I, think I'm keeping my powder dry. No. But, but but he's it, when you first see it, you think it's Bob Dylan. He looks like a little boy, and and his music is playing while he's on screen, which is really jarring. <laughs> um, and you know, this is a, before he's even written Idiot Wind. He looks like a child, um, and it is jarring. But then the last time I watched, it, I thought, well, you know what? You've got, you've got Chris Christopherson in there. Mm. You've got Bob Dylan. You've got Rita Coolidge. Mm. You've got Donny Fritz, who co-wrote Breakfast in Bed. There are musicians all over the place, mm. and. You know, but you don't get distracted by them. You don't. But then don't I, no, I mean, no, no one knows Rita, who Donny Fritz is. So Rita Coolidge is, is really bad. Yeah, I mean she's not. Ter- yeah, she's not. Off. Yeah. She's not <laughs> terrible. Is she here? Like Bob? Yeah. No, I mean, but she. Do you think he's terrible. Is, I don't think he's terrible. Oh, he's. Christopherson, we're talking about now. No, Bob Dylan. Oh, Bob Dylan. No, I didn't. no, he's he's inept, and but they shouldn't call him acting, alias. They should call him Zero because he's he, <laughs> somebody. Somebody probably said, "Okay, Bob, here's the thing about film acting: uh, you don't do anything." You know, that's a popular misconception. Mm-hmm. And so he, it's not that he's not doing anything because he's kind of twitchy and he kind of looks down and he kind of th- does this strange giggly mumble. But mostly, he doesn't do anything. I mean, I get nothing from what he does. Instead of instead of mystery and I, I charisma. Of, I, I, yeah, I kind of read that it was a bit of a nothing role that wasn't, you know, you can see that I was thinking about it that if you didn't have that role right. in the film, would it change the film? He's a real Billy. person, apparently. Apparently Billy had a had, really? had a, a guy called Alias. No kidding. No, I read it. Really? I can't imagine but, the part But the difference between, shit. say, Chris Christopherson yeah. and Dylan's, Chris Christopherson, although I don't think he, I think he became a better actor, I think in, in this film he's okay, he's got that shit-kicking little grin that he does the whole time, and he's very good-looking, and, and he is charismatic. The camera loves him, and you like to look at him, and Dylan yeah. again, I'm afraid, is the opposite. You think, God, he's a funny-looking little weird guy. How did he get this gig? I think you're big really hard. But again, no, I, 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 I really think it's terrible. Think, but I take your point of view because, you know, that's... But I think this is the springboard from um, from Eat the Document. I mean, that's why Don't Look Back is, is unique because it's the only time he's really not acting up, despite what Pennebaker said. From then onwards, he's mm. doing a theatrical version well, of Bob I, Dylan. I, and this is a classic example. Here's one thing that did occur to me, actually, when I was watching it. Um, was It came out in 73, so presumably they shot it in late 72, whatever yeah. it might have yeah. been, that time and you bear in mind that at that point he hadn't really done anything for seven years you know since 66 you know i know he'd done albums and you know but he'd been mixed reception for years and years and years hadn't toured yeah. you know done the isle of Wight, done that tiny performance with yeah. the band and suddenly he's so you then think well actually is he slightly on the defensive has he got to prove something because seven years back in them days you know, was an mm. entire career mm-hmm. or more. So yeah. suddenly, I just occur- it just occurred to me when I was watching. It, I was thinking, has that you know, do people thinking, God, he's got to kind of prove himself. He wants mm. to do maybe. But why prove himself by doing something that he's... I do not know. Yeah, uh, you experience. But, but of course, straight after that, he does the you know the the seventy four tour. He then does Blood on the Tracks. He then does Desire, mm-hmm. and it's like, woo, wow, he's he's come back, you know, with a yeah. vengeance. But you wonder, you know, is there a sort of crisis of like, why is he doing that as a film? To Christopherson say, hey, do you want to come down to yeah. Durango? And 
and shoot this thing. He took his and wife all, with him as well, apparently. They all the, the kids. kids you know, everything went. <laughs> yeah, come down to Durango and hang out with a drunk <laughs> director. Yeah, this guy and, with you know, an alcoholic gun Absolutely. And <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, great way to keep you married together, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And finish it off. Well, and then in Ronaldo Curry has her along for the ride as well. And that, but we'll get to that. But I, but I think um, it also interests me about about Pat Garrett, but the kid. I mean, obviously, it's got one of Dylan's most famous songs mm. in it, and depending on which version you see, there may or may not be a vocal track to that song. But I think it's only the seventy-three, the hundred and six-minute version. Yeah, has it. Well, the, the, the that that knocking on heaven's door scene with Slim Pickens facing his own mortality by the river, I think, is just phenomenally beautiful. In you every, don't need it. every regard. And you I don't need any, the vocal, any director. No would look at that and go, I don't oh, need to be told he's God. knocking on Evan's door. It's mm. bloody obvious. It's really, a, shot I know. A gut shot in the shoulder. I know. <laughs> but also, you know, you know that this... would be a studio decision that they say we need a hit single, you know, so, and... Yeah, know. and it's a great, well, there's a great way into to looking at the kind of chronology of what happened, in, because someone said, I remember at the time, it's getting dark, too dark to see, was a reference to some of the rushes where they'd not... <laughs> Where it was just a bit unwatchable because it's so dark. They're so apocryphal. But the, no, of course. But the other one that is, of course, is but there in plain sight is Slim Pickens wanders into the room and says to Catty uh, Yarado, "Mama, where'd you put my bag?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So he's got to have written it after that. that yeah, scene, I just, you know? I just think I, it's you know, the, the, just to mention it, the three versions, the eighty-eight version, the Turner one, whatever yeah. it is. Um, you know yeah. that 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 is. The, the actually the later one is not markedly different. There's two or three scenes, and and as we said earlier, we were chatting off mic, but um, the, the Dylan performance and the Dylan scenes seem to be identical between all three of them. So yeah. it's not like you're suddenly going to see a performance yeah. no, where no. suddenly <laughs> all his good stuff that they cut out of the original <laughs> one. The, the Beans monologue is twenty minutes long. <laughs> and, you know. yes. I do like the Beans Kerry, scene. Kerry I have to say, to the whole of Eat the Kerry, talk about the Beans scene. The, <laughs> I thought Bob was passable in the Beans scene. Okay. Do you like yeah. the way he says "succotage"? I oh, did. Oh my god. I did. I'm trying to get through this thing without impersonating. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do that. I'm so sorry. Um, but Quality yeah, I, I think it's. Types. I think it's a great movie. I think the and and I I. The only thing for me is I don't I don't think he's bad. I just think it's distracting that he's there, which is the same and the, the others. A couple of others we'll talk about. Mm. Um, and I don't get that. And this might be. This is another whole subject to do with musicians now this is one thing I wanted to say actually musicians who try to be uh, actors and yeah. vice versa mm -hmm. and what came out last year this is early, this is um, early 2019 but in 2018 obviously had Star is Born and I think it's really interesting because you've got uh, you know a singer acting and you've got an actor singing and mm -hmm. I thought both of them did it I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought they were both really, really good. And I think there's a real diff difficult thing here. And you look at Sting, you look at David Bowie, you look at all these people, and you just think, mm -hmm. are they hampered by the fact that people know them so well in the milieu they normally operate yeah, in usually. that it's very, very hard to then watch them well, David Bowie's Pontius Pilate. Yeah, not until. But Sinatra actually. Sinatra became a good actor. I have time for Sinatra as an actor. I mean, he, I think, you know, really studied it and respected the art. It is an art, and you have to knee from here to eternity. Yeah, so it can be done. You know, I mean, I think maybe I'm being kind here, but I get the 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 hint from Dylan that he could be an, a good actor if that was what he was interested in doing but there's something so theatrical about all his film work from here onwards where I think he accepts the level of his fame I'm, I'm being very kind here but he accepts the level of his fame and he says you know what I'm Bob Dylan in a film that's yeah, yeah. always going to yeah, look like Bob Dylan in a film because really the only, the, only two, the only two times it's happened again are Hearts of Fire and Master Anonymous yeah you know, yeah, where he's playing yeah. a fictional yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, know? yeah. So he's, and, and in both cases, you're right, he's basically yeah. playing a version of himself. He basically is, and yeah. there's no way he tries to... Oh, but he's, he's trying stuff, to... Hasn't he done, like, Dharma and whatever Oh, yeah, he thing? did that Dharma and was, Greg but thing. But he was still was himself, just, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, and whoever he fire is, with, with Dennis Hopper with, with a chainsaw. And all that, you know, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, he's always, aside from actually... He's still trying to deconstruct the whole idea of acting. That I will give him. Like, I think, if I'm being kind and generous about Ronaldo and Clara, I would say he's trying to deconstruct the idea of Bob Dylan, and in, but more importantly, the idea of what is acting. I don't think he's, he's not... Um, yeah. he, he doesn't just want to do regular Chris Christopherson, look at how good-looking I am acting, or Bob Dylan, look how funny-looking I am. Mm. He's trying to do something else. I don't think it works, mm. but I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was trying something. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he, you know, st stylization is a, tr is a tricky one in any field where people think you can either do something or you can't, whether it's singing or acting. And if you attempt to be stylized, you kind of 
deliberately try to exist outside that classification. But there will always be people to say, nah, shit. No, I can't act. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very odd thing, you know, because you just think, is he out of whack with professional actors? It was like when Sofia Coppola uh, is in Godfather 3. I mm. think she replaced, was it Bridget Fonda? When was no, no, it when was no, 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 right, yeah. Yes, you're right. And, um, you know, and, and actually I've watched that and I, I, I don't think she's bad at all. She got no. criticised for it, but the pro- maybe what it is, is she's not acting the way actors act. It's true because is as, as right we... Yeah, she's, yeah. Not, she's not as bad as Eli Wallach in the same film. So uh, People don't realise. I mean, I did a film a couple of years ago a uh, western horror film okay. and uh but i was experienced checking IMDb now. Yes, oh god right. you know i think it was barely released google um, Terry shale western but, horror. Um, but i was doing it with one of the characters was a stand-up and he'd never done a film before um and he came up to me uh, on the um the first day of his first scene and said uh What's going on? I, I've just been onto the set just to, to see what it's like being on a film set. It was on, we were outside, it was an exterior even. And he said, I can't, I can't hear what anybody's saying. I mean, <laughs> I, I get closer and closer and I can't hear a word. Everyone's whispering. Why, why are they whispering? And I said, mate, uh, that's film acting. And he said, Bob, and he, he was saying it to me like this, because he was a really broad, <laughs> really broad comedian. And he said, I can't, you know, I don't know what's everybody no, no, saying. Really what, what what's going on? Yeah, really. <laughs> and um, I, won't, uh, I won't say anything more except that he uh, is also Canadian. And, uh, but anyway, <laughs> so many clues. But anyway, I, I, oh I said, when, when I get out there and we do our scene together, yeah. I'm going to be just like those guys, because that's film acting. You do as little as possible. Yeah. It's completely stylized. And he yeah. said, Nobody told me that. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> and I won't. I'll leave you to judge if you ever okay. find that film. Okay. But uh, but film acting is not naturalistic. And so when when Sofia Coppola is actually being a real person mm. next to all these people who are acting, yeah, yeah, yeah. she looks it's really bad. noticeable. Yeah, and so but she's not bad. No, no she's, uh, just, she's just she's not. just different. To, yeah. When I was um, I, I played drums and uh, I used to play with two brothers, the Michelson brothers, and. They were fantastic. They were very nice guys. They played play guitar. And they were both out of time. So I sounded wrong, but they were in sync with each other. And I'm thinking, you're both wrong. What's going on? It's not me. That's very cool. So maybe they, Bob... were, they were locked together yeah, because yeah. they were, you know. So, so I... maybe Bob Dylan was brilliant. Yeah, I think. But he was and everybody just else in the was wrong shit. film. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So let's move on quickly. Speaking of so called yes. acting. To Ronaldo and yeah. Lara, go ahead. Okay, so I, I mean, this is this is obviously this is a big one, and I, I, this touches on a, a lot of different things. I think, like Eat the Document, I think it was something that was not directed as so much as it's pretty more directed, but it's edited and it, it's put together, and you know, it's. I tell you what, it is for me is that. Um, I think movies should do one thing first. If they set out to entertain, the first thing they should do is entertain you. The secondary thing is you might look at it and go, oh, actually, there's something else going on here. There's a different meaning to this. You know, if you look on the waterfront, yes, it's about that thing, but it's actually about something else entirely. The Crucible, these things are about similar mm-hmm. things. You know, um, And they're about other things. Once Upon a Time in the West is an enjoyable movie on its own. And then you think, actually, this is about <laughs> the yeah. death of this civil, this era in yeah. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the, the, the issue I have with Ronaldo and Clara is the, the first port of call for it, it doesn't work as an entertainment because you're all at sea. Um, with all this stuff that you don't know what's going on. I rewatched um uh Les Enfants du Paradis, mm-hmm. um yeah. Children of Paradise, I'll just keep saying it like that. Um because it was mentioned in that article and I'd yes. seen it years ago and I watched it again. And of course there are lots of things in it. You know, the the, the man in and white the, and the, the woman in white yeah. and the Joan Baez, whatever, and the rose thing and the the on stage and off stage and everything else. And you look at it and you think, okay, I get that there's something and it, maybe he was trying to do that. But again, you're dealing with someone, Marcel Carno, who's a film director, you know, who's been doing it for a long, long time and knows what he's doing. And you shouldn't need to watch a 190-minute movie, research it, and then watch Ronaldo and Clara. It should work on its own, and it doesn't really work. Although, as I know we're all going to agree, the concert performances from the Rolling Thunder Review in that movie are just oh, the best fabulous. that's fabulous. ever been yes. seen on screen yeah. and we'll talk about that again in a minute yeah, I mean the vitriol I'm sure well, so. the, <laughs> t- tell me because we've all watched all of it um, mm. all 220 minutes or whatever do you think there's any scene in the film that isn't a concert performance which warrants inclusion um, 
there are interesting bits. I think when they go to Carrick's grave, you know, Ginsburg yep. and him, I think those are interesting things. You know, because you think, well, if you'd made a tour documentary, you know, if you'd um, just, you know, catalogued what this tour was, mm -hmm. which was a very interesting idea, a, a review. And by the way, if you look at the titles of Les Enfants de uh, Children of Paradise, I don't want you to say Say Les Enfants de Paradise. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> We're all cultured um, here. Yes. You know, but if you look at the titles, the font is the same as the Rolling Thunder font. Really? So he's obviously looked at that. Huh. And, and so it's a clearly, you know, it's a, that's a tiny surface thing, but it shows that there's definitely, yeah. you know, a thinking there. Um, there are scenes that you watch it, but, you know, it starts off with David Blue at a pinball machine for 10 minutes or whatever, really rambling yeah. away, and you just think, what the hell's and going on but here? But you know what? I had an epiphany uh, this morning, and I was uh, <laughs> thinking about... You realised you loved it. Yes. <laughs> no, well, actually, I thought, why does Bob have no... Aside from when he's on stage, hmm. he, has, he has a charisma bypass in this film. He's so boring when he's trying to act, when he's improvising. I, I just find him unwatchable. And I thought, I realised, actually, David Blue has more character than Bob Dylan yeah. in the film. You know, actually, I I kind of, even though they've gone way too long, mm. I, th because he tells stories. He's got and, a great face as well. And he, he does have a great face, and yeah. he smokes very well. Yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> Dylan doesn't... He refuses to tell but stories. I, I you, think, I think you, you, well, yeah. and this is a whole theme. Of, this is another whole thing to do with masks, to do with identity. And I'm sure you can analyse it into the ground. And more intelligent people than me or us could well, do it. For now, let's, we can do it because <laughs> <laughs> we'll just sound like dumbasses. Um, you know, but I, I just, you know, it's I don't know. No, I don't. It, it doesn't. It's too long, and mm -hmm. it doesn't. You know, it doesn't work as a thing, and it probably does if you spend the time you know if you want to read Tarantula 3,000 times and read about it you'll probably go oh my god I've suddenly worked it out yeah. and uh, <clears throat> you know but um, no I don't you know. well Kerry said something interesting to me just we met for a coffee before we recorded this and he said that what is it with, with Dylan films you, you take good actors and you put them into a Dylan film and suddenly they're awful you know, mm. Sam Shepard is one of my all-time yeah. favourite actors, and he wasn't even really an actor, but he somehow managed to do it better than well, many it's people. It's interesting you mention him because the Rolling Thunder logbook. You yeah. know, that's a, I think that's a marvellous book. Mm -hmm. You know, as a as a catalogue of someone come. I love that. There's a description he does when he first meets Dylan Shepard. Uh, Sam Shepard does where you know for one thing I think he describes him as he's all, he's all blue mm. or something like that, and then he says for the first twenty minutes he's just seeing album covers. You know, he's literally just yes, looking at it from different angles. I'm like, yeah, God, you're right. the other guy, aren't you? On that. Which I think is really interesting when you do meet whoever it might yeah. be that they do. You spend some time oh, yeah. just staring at them, you know? But, you know, Harry um, Dean Stanton's in it too, and, and, you know, he's a fantastic actor. But again, mm. his, his scenes kind of go for nothing. Mm. Um, it's it's like they enter this vortex. <laughs> yes. Well, again, I don't think it. I don't think it will ever like either document. I don't think it will ever come out. No. I, I heard um, someone told me. I can't mention who it was, but they, they told me that the reason it will never come out is he doesn't want to upset Sarah Dylan. Um, because she's so front and central in that, and it's a very yeah. delicate time. Well, that and, makes sense. You yeah, know? we just think because it's, it's it's very very personal, and you know, regardless of whatever that relationship is, that I wouldn't want to conjecture well, no, on. But there's still it, the interestingly, I, I found her more interesting than Bob. I mean, it, it, the, that weird sort of whorish makeup that she always has on, and that sort yeah. of jaded. Intensely sad, sad eyes, genuinely sad yeah, eyes. Yeah, side eyed lady of, uh, of yeah. uh, Ronaldo and Clara. Yeah, faded beauty. Uh, dark this, beauty, fade beauty. Uh, it it's it's something on planet waves. Is it, is it idiot? Isn't, oh, I don't know. No, we could, uh, we well, could get, get rid of that. But <laughs> everyone at home is shouting, "Yes, it's really that." We understand. But the thing that I mean, okay, let's not speculate on Dylan's private life with Sarah. But there, there are some facts here that play into a chronology. You know, they were. The, after Blood on the Tracks, I think he tried to woo her back when he wrote the song Sarah. Then it all went a bit wrong. Then, um, so then we're into sort of 70s. I mean, so this is 75. Mm. He took her on the road. Um, Joan Byers is there as well, <laughs> with whom he had a relationship just before he married her. You know, um, it all they seems are. Like a perfectly good idea. There's me. a scene yeah. in the film when Joan <laughs> Byers, Joan Byers says to Dylan, "Can you imagine what it'd be like if we'd got married?" You yeah. Know, oh God, that's that's possibly the worst scene I've ever but seen. But then, you know, so that's seventy-five, and then in between filming and releasing Ronaldo and Clara, she files for divorce. Mm. So mm. I'm not surprised that it's a bit of a prickly subject mm. in the Dylan. But, but again, Sarah you know, and 
um, well, ask me about the archive. Go on, you have to ask me. Oh, okay. Robin, <laughs> tell me about the Dylan archive. Have you been there? I did go there. That's oh. funny you should say that, okay. Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went there in November 2016, and it was kind of a little bit too early because they hadn't quite catalogued everything at that point. But they were lovely people, and we had a very nice time. Um, but what was interesting is when they did do the catalogue for it, um, and if you uh, that's all now online, um, and I did speak to them, a lot about this, but at that point they were still kind of going this through. Is this, Tulsa, this, this is in Tulsa. This is in Tulsa, yeah. And um, but now, if you look at the catalogue that's listed online, look at the film materials. There's none of the Rolling Thunder stuff is listed, because as far as we mm. know, and I'm sure everyone's heard this, that it's all been shipped over to Martin Scorsese, who's yes. making you know what you would hope would be. You know, that's for me is like the holy grail of footage. Yes. You know, I think it's marvellous stuff because, yeah. you know, I don't like Before the Flood as a record, um, which is probably... Uh, no, I'm, that's I'm, with, you, I'm with you. But what, I, like, what I do like about it is it better. sounds like a man let off the leash after yeah. eight years of domesticity because mm. yep. he's yelling his head off, you yep. know, he's <laughs> finally free, whatever, you know. And, and you also get that on Rolling Thunder, which I've you also do. read that's kind of why his voice got shot a bit, so I don't, I don't buy into that. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see what happens with that footage. But it's, I think it's very telling that none of that is listed on the Tulsa yeah. archive site, yeah. so they, they clearly exist. Oh, I know, and then I think, I mean, if the, the rumour mill, if we're going to give it, it it's, its due this it year, some grist. 2019, we should, we, we hope, to, hopefully, I'm going to say right now, I hope I hope we'll see Scorsese's 1975 Rolling Thunder documentary Four accompanied hours. by a big old box, like in 66, of mm. copyright dump material from the from both Rolling Thunder tours. That's yeah. what I, that's my prediction. Speaking of thunder, reminds me of fire. Why don't we talk about Hearts of Fire? Oh How's that for a that shitty down? segue? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't write something like that down. I think you should. Um, can, I, can, I, can I just say that Hearts of Fire begins with, with Dylan masked? Yes. Um, and yeah, he utters the immortal and anonymous, words. Yeah. Well, yeah, it masks and anonymous. <laughs> and he, uh, he utters <laughs> the immortal words, this sucks. <laughs> Um, I, you know what? I watched this again. I've seen it. You know, again, there's there's a reason this thing isn't out on DVD or has you know difficult to get hold of. Uh, you know, actually, I I quite liked it. I, it's quite charming. Um, it's okay. The the big problem with it again is uh, you've got. Uh, an actor, Rupert Everett, playing a pop star, and actually, he's—I he, think he's—I think he's pretty good. I, I, I quite enjoyed it, but it's so mired in the '80s. It looks, you know, woefully the dated. The, the, yeah, I mean, the, just yeah. the whole style of it, and it's yeah. almost like Richard Marquand, you know, uh, you know. R.I.P. You know, had done Jedi, had done Jagged Edge, done these other things, and then, but didn't really, didn't he wasn't like Cameron Crowe, who understands no. music and musicians. Mm. You know, with almost famous, he sends those guys away on Bandcamp. They learn how yeah. to. You know, you watch Bohemian Rhapsody. The guy who's playing Brian May. You know, he's he, he can obviously play guitar, but he's learned all the moves and he looks good. Mm. And the problem with Hearts of Fire, there's that. Big muscly drummer bloke who keeps popping oh, up. Oh, what it is that about? Making me laugh, and it well, was just like this cliche. Why does he get all the shots? I mean, he, yeah. there are so many close-ups. Well, of because his... I think it's one of those things that if you're a director who doesn't know about music, you think, oh, he looks great. He looks like a drummer should but look like. Also, it's like yeah, no, well, he looks yeah. a total knob. Also, also the 80s <laughs> when, when all drummers were stripped if, 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 if he's and... listening, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I take that back. While we're talking, <laughs> I mean, while yeah, we're talking about bloke. while we're talking about the musicians, I was watching this and thought bass player looks a bit like Mark Rylance, as if. And then the credits roll, I thought, that was Mark Rylance. Mm. That's well, Ronnie Wood is playing bass Ronnie at Wood, some point. Ronnie Wood is, is, yeah. is in but, there. But Mark, Mark, Mark Rylance does play bass in the first band, and he Mark plays, he plays I think, rhythm in, in another different band. But it's it's Mark Rylance. I couldn't get over Oscar this. winner Mark Rylance. And Larry Lamb and Julian Glover. Next Oscar Mark. winner Bob Dylan. Who would have thought? Who well, would have thought? But again, I don't... Different I, I, Dylan's performance yeah. in this, I don't mind it, because as we said earlier, he's playing a rock star. So he's kind of on safe ground. You know, mm. he's a little bit wooden, um, but... You know, that's a lot of that is it's fine. You know, it, it, it's not a great film. Don't get me wrong. I don't like it. I don't think I'll probably rarely ever watch it again. He starts to have fun at some point in the film. I mean, it starts. You think I can't I can't watch all of this, <laughs> um, which is I've never watched it all, all of it once. But but towards the middle of the film, the mm. bit where he's corpsing in the scene with Rupert Everett, I think, well, at least he's having fun now. This mm. is now enjoyable because he has relaxed. And then, of course, he disappears from the narrative, which is a bit of a problem. Can I just give you uh, my line on the film? Go on. Uh, you, you remember the uh, blind fan who blows her brains out? <laughs> 
I think she had the right idea. You are the voice of doom. <laughs> no, no, I, I, it didn't. It didn't bother me that much. Of of all the bad films, I think it is sort of the least bad because it has some good things in it. And Bob actually, you know, has his moments, but he does seem pretty depressed through most of it, except for these weird mm. scenes where he starts laughing for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And my feeling about Rupert Everett, I mean, I did feel sorry for him, because he was basically having to do acting for three. You know you, how you say eating for two? Like, Bob sort of <laughs> wasn't acting, and poor old Fiona, you know, can't act. It's, it was, she was... There's some performances in the very good. The barn scene, what's that? What's uh, a couple more years. A couple more years. Yeah. You know, Sel- it's really Sel- good, yeah. you know, and I like yeah. that. You know, it's almost song. like you just want to see more of that. And we'll talk about this with yeah. Marston Anonymous, actually. We can talk about Martin Knox. We <laughs> well, just before we move on, there's, yeah. there's, there's two lines that, that pinged out at me from Hearts of Fire, which made me laugh out loud, <laughs> given what I know about Bob Dylan. One is, I wish I could write a song in five minutes, <laughs> which I just thought was great. But even better than that is very early on, he says to Fiona, I guess I've always known I was one of those rock and roll singers who wasn't going to win any Nobel Prize. Yeah, isn't that brilliant? Which yeah. I thought was just priceless. <laughs> my, my favorite bit of dialogue was when Rupert Everett in his Markney accent, uh, they're in the studio cutting a, uh, a groove, and uh, he says to, uh, to her about the song that she's written and singing, uh, what's it called? <laughs> and she says, hearts of fire. And he says, well, sing it with fire. And yeah. then she does, of course, because yeah. that's how producing works. Yes. Anyway, sorry, Robin. No, no, no. Something? I think... I think... <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. I mean, I, I had to get you know, my Markney accent. No, in. good for you. Um, <laughs> Maston Anonymous, 2003. <laughs> Again, you know, I think what we have here is, is a movie that aims, you know, high. It doesn't quite get there. I, I think that it's I think it's probably the best you know that he's done in many respects um Larry Charles is a director mm-hmm. yeah. and um you know but he clearly has some kind of vision for this thing I think the music performances are brilliant Fantastic. you know yeah. um there's a very good one on the DVD um where I think it is do they do try and get to heaven I can't remember um they do one of the ones anyway mm-hmm. I think it's from time out of mind and there's a very funny bit in it where Dylan seems to lean back to um, Charlie Sexton and he doesn't seem to say anything at all but Sexton sort of nods sagely as if he's communicated something to him he does this a couple of times and I'm watching him thinking he's not saying anything at all you probably have to look at Bob's eyes very carefully in concert but also it's just like he's got to be talking quite loudly because they are playing live so anyway sorry to get back to it but um, if you get a chance to watch that it is very very good but the performances the music performances are superb Um, I think there's obviously loads to recommend it because you've got all these actors in it who were really good. You've got Jessica Lange, you've got John Goodman, you've got uh, Luke Wilson, you've got all these people. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Giovanni Ribisi. That, yeah. that yeah. little scene, yeah. I think, yeah. is the bus, brilliant. Yeah. Just jaw-dropping. Yeah. The scene really, with really Angela good. Bassett, I think, is some of Dylan's best acting. Yeah. He does virtually nothing yeah. and just lets her do the work. And mm. it's a really yeah. good scene. It's, it, it's, a, it's a very... And I was surprised. I'd seen it a couple of times before, but not for some years. And I, I actually I really enjoyed it. Um, I couldn't help thinking that, you know, as soon as... You know, it's like, oh, do you want to make a film with Larry Charles? It's like, oh, well, maybe show me the script, whatever else. Do you want to make a film with Larry Charles with Bob Dylan? Everyone's going to, yes. yes. You, know, you can imagine they're just going to yeah. be like... No, apparently everybody they asked said yes yeah, immediately. Well, of course. You know, yeah, free. Who, who, who would do? Because, you know, just for the selfie. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like I to think when he first appeared in that film, when he first appeared in <clears throat> Master Anonymous, I thought this could quite easily be Alias or Billy Parker grown up. Hmm. I, mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. No, 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 I'm nothing wrong with it at all. I, I quite liked it. There's a scene in it where he's in a chair, and I couldn't help thinking he's kind of sitting with his legs up, and he's sitting sideways in this not a comfortable chair, yeah. and he's in there for some time, and I couldn't help thinking, this man's like in his early, mid-60s, or whatever it was yeah. at the time, and he's just like, he's terribly uncomfortable on your back. <laughs> well, yeah, was... I know, I was obviously taken out of the moment of enjoying the film. Well, of course. <laughs> Um, do you know what Michael Gray called it? And I have to agree. Oh, go on. Uh, an Elvis movie, but with better songs. I would add that there's existentialist yeah. angst. But yeah. I mean, because there's no, you know, the plot is let's put on uh, a show right here. Mm-hmm. So there's no real plot. Mm-hmm. The songs are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I actually, 
I hated it when I first saw it. I took a couple of non-Dylan friends to see it. The one time it played at the NFT, it played for one night only. <laughs> and I bought tickets and brought these friends. They're no longer my friends. I, <laughs> yeah. That is to say that they kind of dropped me. I think they thought I was so weird for seeing taking this terrible film. But I just watched it again for this, mm. and I was really surprised. I don't think I've ever had such... I don't think it's a great film by any means, no. but it's actually... So, worth seeing. So the listeners that got cross because you slagged this off in our podcast months ago. Yes. Kerry's changed his mind. First. I've changed my <laughs> he mind. He likes it now. And also, can I say, uh, come una pietra scalciata, which is the Italian version of Like a Rolling Stone. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very good. On It's on the soundtrack, and they, yes. they play it on the background. I mentioned that so you can stick it on the Spotify oh, playlist. Thank you very much. Because it's I think it's actually brilliant. Bad. I think, of course, the soundtrack is is great. Mm. Well, I knew the soundtrack, and, I, and I, again, this is not a film I'd watched all of before, but I did for this, and I was amazed by what's not on the soundtrack. Drifters Escape! Mm. Yes, which is brilliant! Phenomenal! Fantastic! It's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the music, and because the music is really important in this, they're not just playing it in the background like in no, some of the other films. And I love the fact that Jeff Bridges is dressed like Dylan is at Newport in 65, with, with the, the shirt buttoned up to the top and the, the leather jacket. The little geeky references and for people Jeff like is, uh, Jeff Bridges is so wonderful because his stuff is hard. Yeah. I mean, he's these long monologues. And... He's such a good actor. He's I mean, the, the, actor. he's surrounded by these fantastic actors, and in this case, somehow Dylan makes it work because yeah. he, he does. He's very good at listening, and I think he probably, as he co-wrote it, he probably thought, "I'll give my character lots of listening," and he's well, like really I good say, at yeah, it. I mean, you know, the scene with Angela Bassett—he just pretty—he doesn't do much, but he's really good in it. And I'm sure you and I have both had directors in our career say that the secret to good acting is just listening, love. Reacting, you know, well, you know, reacting exactly. Someone told Bob Dylan this, maybe, and uh, you know. yeah. So he has learned, you know, he's learned some stuff, and he's yeah. got a lot of actor friends, and so yes, he is there's, uh, there's considerably better. There's lots better. to recommend it. I didn't yeah. feel like I'd wasted two hours of my life. No, no. If I had I to really watch one of them again, I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd watch that too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Not Hearts of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Hearts of Fire was was not unenjoyable, and yeah. the reason it wasn't unenjoyable is because I just watched Ronaldo and Clark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I think that's a good. Can I note. summarize it with one quote, which, I, which it was one of my Please favorite do. quotes? It's not nothing to do with Dylan. It's a, it's a Pal and Pressburger thing, and their company, the Archers, had a motto uh, that said um, the arrow was pure gold but somehow miss the target. But as all golden arrow trippers know, it's better to miss Naples than hit Margate. And I like that because I think in all these movies that we've discussed and a lot of things, you know what? They were aiming high. They were aiming yeah. to do something big. Not all of it worked, but damn good, damn good on them for giving mm. it a go. And I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of that. And you know, there, there's some calamitous you know, moments in there of many others as well we could talk about. Mm. But um, I think, you know, I, I admire anyone who does anything. Well, now I just want to turn the mics off and talk to you about Palmer Pressburger for the rest of the day. That's <laughs> what I want to do. Don't, don't. That's another whole thing. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that was beautiful. And I think that's, it's true. Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan. Is recorded in the Alabama suite at Lip Sync Studios. Engineered by Mark Langley-Smith and produced by Robin Guys. We're on Twitter at IsItRollingPod. Music is by Sam Hare. Well, I'm standing in the rain to see a movie starring Gregory Peck, but it's not the one that I had in mind. He's got a new one out now. You know, he just don't look the same, but I'll see him anyway. And I'll stand in line. <laughs>